Hello and welcome to Open School of Business. To, today, I have a pleasure to introduce you to Jerry Abiog. He's the CMO and the co-founder of the company called Standard Insights. Hello, Jerry. Hey, Nar. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Uh, hi. And um, I think it's really cool that you're on today because um, I've just completed the series of um, podcast interviews uh, that are related to COVID-19 impact. And then we moved on to uh, um, interviewing people from media and podcasting industry and the marketing part. So uh, when you came in, I thought that that's really great because you're doing uh, sales and marketing and in a way that is very relevant to the COVID-19 impact right now, what's happening. Um, can you tell us uh, more about your company and what you're bringing in with the Standard Insights? Yeah, absolutely. So, Anar, thank, thank again, thanks for having me. But uh, before I talk about my company, we can talk a little bit about my journey to co-founding this company. And in a few short words, it started off with a, a big, utter failure. So, about my background, I've got 25 years in sales and marketing experience. And roughly nine years ago, I left the corporate world. And when I left the corporate world, I started my own business, helping software companies with sales and marketing initiatives. And along the way, I've had some great clients with successful exits. But as they say in life, you learn from failure. And uh, one of the biggest failures I had was with one of my clients. And I was working with them, for them, and they had an AI machine learning startup. So this was going back three, four years ago and everything w was a mess there. I mean, they had a good idea, but it didn't really translate to anything, you know, so much so that we had close to a million dollars with the funding and nothing to show for it. So as this company was an imploding through serendipitous events or luck, if you will, I met my future co-founder and my future co-founder co is living in Chennai, India. He was visiting here in Atlanta. I had met him through, through mutual friends. He actually used to live in Atlanta and he worked for a Fortune 50 company as a technological architect. And what he did, you know, we met over a few drinks. We met through mutual friends. He introduced me to this prototype he was working on. It was an uh, artificial intelligence, AI-driven uh, growth marketing platform that was intended to help businesses grow their existing customer base. And I thought learning from my past startup, uh, so the past startup, I, I learned two things. Um, number one, regardless of what software platform you're, you're presenting or selling, your customers want something that's easy to use and that will solve their business problem. And number two, there was something bubbling beneath the surface with regards to AI-driven applications. And now some studies uh, indicate, I think Statista, mentioned that in five short years, it'll be close to a $500 or a $500 billion industry. So when I met my future co-founder, he presented me this idea and knowing what I learned from the past, I thought it had enough legs to take a second look. So I took his idea. I flew from Atlanta to Denver. I went to the outdoor retail trade show. And, and then a week later, when I came back to Atlanta, I had secured two beta clients, two trial clients. And uh, that was two years ago, and uh, Standard Insights has been off to the races. 
Uh, that's really awesome. What kind of companies worked with you in your first years, like you said, uh, in your pilot version? Yeah, so uh, initially we went after e-commerce customers, the, you know, thus outdoor retail. But we had in our mind we wanted to expand beyond that because there were already good players and good software companies that functioned and operated in the AI space. And what we wanted to do was encompass multiple tech stacks that other companies weren't, uh, weren't using, that they weren't doing. And not only that, not only with tech stacks, but able to take data and immediately execute data-driven omni-channel campaigns. So yes, we started off with, uh, with e-commerce because they were the early adopters of AI, but since yeah. then have branched out to brick and mortar. Now we're doing stuff with restaurants, financial services. So in essence, we aimed to serve companies that want to have relevant data-driven customer engagement. Right. And you obviously had a great advantage there, the technological development that is not very, um, it's not readily accessible to anyone uh, who is not in the tech business. So uh, as your co-founder, he introduced you to these tools and, and you had this new company, but as you have done all this uh, sales and marketing before and had run your own business, helping other companies do that, what were the lessons learned that you brought from your previous experiences into this company to make it better? Yeah, so that's one simple thing. It's always focus on the customer. Always focus on the customer, always be cognizant of their well-being. Because no one cares how awesome your software is or how many algorithms you have if uh, no one's buying. So if no one's buying your software, it doesn't matter if you have this, the best software on the planet, the company's going to be worthless. Your company's valuation is all dependent on your customer base. Right. And how oh, you serve also, them and how you, of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking about valuation and, and investment part of it, so is it just you and your co-founder or did you um, attract some external financing into this? So we're self-funded uh, right now. We've got customers and now we're looking to scale. And as you know, in, in startups, the longer you hold out for investment dollars, the more control the company you have. So we, we want to remain solid control of the company before we look for outside investors. So right now, the four co-founders, we have internal goals that we'd like to meet uh, before we seek funding. Uh, yeah, and uh, if uh, it's not a secret, what would be those goals? Um, yeah, so I'm not gonna tell you, but we, we've got internal goals, but we wanna go, grow to a you know, certain point before we seek funding, so. Right. And I think you've been already successful with small and medium businesses. Uh, and especially it's important when you have revenue already coming in mm -hmm. that supports your expenses. And uh, I went to your website and I, I, took, I took a look how it works in terms of like you have to book a demo with somebody. So do you have like a sales force for this or do you do it mostly within the co-founders uh, uh, so we have a since we're a small company and not and obviously still young the co-founders and then we have channel partners for channel partners 
could you elaborate what are those usually so they're they're affiliate partners they're digital marketing agencies they're they're social media companies um they're people in the franchise space and they're in the restaurant space so um any channel partner that could help get us access to to more customers and and in some ways so a lot of our channel partners operate as consultants uh if you will so now they're taking their their uh their knowledge right and combining it with a tech stack and helping so now we're helping our uh channel partners become that much more uh become competitive right in their respective marketplace now that they have an ai tech stack that they're working with yeah that, that is brilliant yeah. i love that because uh yeah. in lots of interviews i talk about collaborations uh versus yeah. competition right and you've definitely took the route of collaborating openly with the companies that could have been your direct competitors as well so i think it's yeah. really brilliant on your part yeah. um so for um the ai part of uh the marketing and sales uh can you explain in sort of more of a lay term in terms of how exactly it happens and as a business uh what kind of edge do you get, gain from it so yeah so our our main uh three pillars if you will so i mean you talk to any software company you talk to any consulting company they're going to tell you hey you know and are we want to improve sales we want to improve uh efficiencies we want to reduce costs everyone's going to say that us included but we we go beyond that and peel the onion and go more uh dig deep peel behind the layers and we want to focus on three things number 1 is improving customer experience number 2 is preventing customer indecision and number 3 telling what the customer what to do next and what you can accomplish all these three things via the insights you've gotten from your customer data then the others will fall in place so we want to help uh, our customers or our future customers um execute data driven omnichannel campaigns and why is this important uh well it helps them target the right person with the right product or service at the right time it helps drive top and bottom line growth and at the end of the day it makes them competitive uh in a data driven world using artificial intelligence and uh it's it's really cool because i think um people who do have that um technological edge and uh, yeah. they want to implement that for their businesses definitely will see some gain and competitive advantage and uh, uh a lot of people already know that they can do google ads uh social media ads um how is um implementing ai would help to integrate with these and make these tools more effective Yeah so uh, great question I like what you said about technological edge because all things equal it's the company with the technological edge that's going to win over the others and as we know we're in a difficult business climate right now you need every edge you can get to your point with uh, the Google ads and Google AdWords so companies typically have two goals 
Number one, to bring in new customers, and number two, to try to repeat business from those existing customers. We focus on the latter. You know, all the Google ads and Google analytics, they're more inclined to drive new people to your website, drive new, new business to particular, particular companies. So we focus, you know, on the, on the other part of that. And with uh, Google ads and all that, so they just tell you where people are coming from. So they're more descriptive analytics in nature, and we take things a step further with predictive and prescriptive analytics. Um, it's um, nice that you mentioned about retention and actually repeat customers. Right. Uh, they, you target those to get repeat uh, sales. And uh, just as a consumer, I had recently this experience. I've been a loyal customer of Swarovski for years. And I noticed that some of their, um, that are not clip-on type of earrings have mm -hmm. been decreasing in their quality. And right. uh, of course, I see their ads everywhere because mm -hmm. they retarget me and uh, right. I'm in their uh, database. But like I made myself um stop buying now because of oh. the quality decrease um, right so i'm thinking is there anything your tools can do um so that companies can track this type of uh consumer behavior or at least try and investigate those if they have a sudden drop in their sales especially the repeat customers yeah, so what we can do, so one of our uh, key components is profitability scoring. So we, we can take the uh, customer data and do a profitability score. And what does that entail? So we look at, um, you know, the, the last time that Anar had purchased, how often she purchases, and how much money she spent with the company. So we score all those uh, customers. And I mean, this is helpful whether you have 250. You know, 2,500, 250,000, or you know, two and a half million. So you just run that data into our machine, and it scores everyone and puts them in buckets. So maybe the buckets, all the way from from champion, uh, you know, customers, loyal customers, all the way down to sleeping customers. So if Anar at one point in time was a champion customer, two three months ago, maybe six months ago, and we pulled the analysis, the profitability scoring analysis again. And then she dips, goes down from champion to loyal, maybe even sleeping. Hey, she's not buying. We, we have to investigate. We have to take a look at why is it now the trends are dipping, that our champion loyal customers are now falling, falling, falling all the way down to sleeping customers. So to your point, yes, our platform can analyze that and that company can fix it and rectify it to bring you up the, up the ladder again. Uh, yeah, I think that would be really helpful, especially in the pandemic situation. And a lot of companies don't even have data analysts and data scientists uh, in their teams. Uh, so that would be a next question. To be able to actually use your uh, services, do you need to have certain positions, certain professionals within your own organization? 
No, not at all. I mean, it's, we design it uh, with, you know, our, our philosophy is with the democratization of AI, we can help business of all sizes. So if it's uh, small, mid-sized businesses, we can set everything up for them. You know, the data has to be structured, but once it's in there, it's literally plug and play where within two clicks of your mouse, you can execute data-driven omni-channel campaigns, whether that's email, text, or social media. Now to set up, you know, may take a little bit of time, but once it's set up, it's typically within two, three clicks of your mouse that you can run campaigns. So no, you don't have to be a data scientist to use our platform. Yeah, I think it's a really good news for the small and medium businesses uh, because they're strapped for resources and uh, data sciences, uh, scientists are very expensive these days yeah. and very rare as well. Yeah. So th that's really... Uh, great news uh, for the business owners. And uh, in terms of geography, did you focus on certain geographical location for your customers and then grew from there? Or do you have certain uh, areas that you're focusing on one by one? Or is it kind of nationwide, but then you have each co-founder maybe doing his part in so it's nationwide and each co-founder is doing their part and we kind of, uh, you know, come together with that. So um, our, our platform uh, was, is made in India. All the tech stuff is done over there, but all the customers are U.S. based, U.S. and can, uh, Canada. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you have also some support staff. Yes, like a tech we do support. have. Yeah, we, we have tech support. They're all in India, and in all our sales and marketing channel partners are here in the in the states. Mm -hmm. That's and we're excellent. an LL, uh, LLC. Um, right. So. And uh, uh, could you tell us a story about um, maybe how you found your co-founders and what was the sort of criteria or a factor in choosing them? How did you all come together to work? So uh, the, the first one I met, we met, uh, he was visiting Atlanta because he used to live here and I live here and I'm, we met through mutual friends. And then the, the, other, the other third and fourth co-founder, um, the third co-founder lives in Florida in the Fort Myers, uh, Fort Myers area. He actually is from the same hometown, uh, Chennai, India, as my, the other co-founder in India. So they connected that way. And then the, the final co-founder we met, he, he's from Chennai, India. So, uh, yeah, so there are two guys in India and two guys in the States. And the two co-founders in the States are doing the sales and marketing. And the two guys in India are doing uh, all the product development. And, and they're heading up the tech support over there. So it's the, uh, you know, best of both worlds. We've got the high-level tech expertise in India and then the sales and marketing and uh, know-how here. And with, if you talk to any, any startup, any co-founding, those, th those two concepts, the business and marketing and the tech development have to work in unison. You had such a long career in sales and mar marketing. Um, are there any particular golden rules that you follow? Well, except that you said the customer is the first yeah, so to focus, I, I, but... I think it's, my parents taught me this, it's, it all boils down to hard work, putting in, putting the effort, hard work day in and day out. And another thing 
I, I like to tell people is that, you know, do something that challenges you, whether that's, you know, on a personal level or professional level. Yeah, do something to challenge you and be open to learning about new things and, and new concepts. You know, don't, don't waste so much time watching TV or, you know, arguing with people uh, with strangers and social media. So <laughs> it's just simple. <laughs> exactly. Especially in today's that. environment, yeah. but yeah, it's just hard work and being open to learning and challenging yourself. I mean, it, it, it's not science. It's just, but I don't know. A lot of people fail to, to implement those principles in their lives. Yeah. And uh, also, I think uh, from the point of view, being a business person in the tech industry, uh, what would be your advice as well? Because uh, working on a product that is highly technical and being able to sell it, it's a, a completely different uh, set of skills. So uh, how did you go about um, gaining that? Yeah, so it's basically taking a, high level technical concept and being able to, to, to synthesize it so that the average person can understand. Even if you're talking to a CMO or a C-level person of a Fortune 50 company, they want it explained in simple terms. They want to have this, this big giant tech stack explained in, in, in simple terms. And being able to, to recognize that will help non-techie people sell tech stuff right and i think it's also boils down um to general communication skills that help with uh selling and also with leading the organization yeah uh, and also being in harmony with all the co-founders yeah and And uh, it's an important thing being in harmony with the co-founders because you know in in the last startup i've worked with the co-founders were not in unison. They didn't, they didn't have the same goals. It was all divergent goals. And that's the one reason that startup failed. Yeah, I think um, it's great to have learned that lesson and, and start a new fresh startup with yeah. a different um, point of view and with that lessons. Um, but also even knowingly sometimes people still not necessarily uh, repeat their mistakes but they might not know how to implement to avoid that mistake again and uh, in that sense have you realized do you have any kind of guidance on how to uh, make sure you're solid you're in a solid partnership and you're going to be going strong having the understanding day to day especially since you are in a different locations also working on different things. Yeah, so um, open communication is number one. We're on Zoom calls two, three, four times a week. And then number two, if you go to our website, we want to have the culture of uh, Kaizen, as a Japanese word, continuous improvement each and every day. So we may, you know, had a win yesterday, but when I wake up in, in the morning, that doesn't matter what we did yesterday. It only matters what you do today. Right. So we're never, ever, you know, you know, resting on our laurels. I mean, that's that's a big thing. Hey, we won a customer yesterday. Great. What's the next step? Let's win another customer. 
right. let's improve uh, the, the, the platform and product based on the feedback from the current customers. So it's never resting on the laurels. That's it. I mean, yesterday is yesterday and it's the past. And us four, we, and we impart that everyone, the, the team and all the way down to the interns. Who cares what you did yesterday? It's today that's, you know, what matters. Yes, uh, I'm a, to admit I'm a big fan of Kaizen. Yeah. And uh, this is the same approach I try to take with the podcast and the interviewing. Yeah. Because yeah. every speaker has their unique experience, has their yeah. unique point of view that uh, is very valuable to our audience. And uh, we strive uh, to get as much information as possible from each of the podcast guests. Yeah. So uh, since you have been in this journey for so long and um, uh, you have this new big goal um, to reach uh, success with your company before uh, attracting more finances and going even bigger, uh, what are the big bold uh, goals or things you want to achieve next? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, thanks for asking that. So actually, we're developing, no, it's already developed and it's launched. It's an AI-driven digital menu. And actually, Anara, we actually developed this last year and you, you talk about failures. So we had this idea about an AI-driven digital menu last year, last summer. But when I talked to restaurants, they look like I had, you know, I had three heads. I was weird. And, you know, what are you talking about? Right. Right. And the first restaurant I presented to was a buddy of mine who owns a restaurant on the street. It's like, oh, this sounds great, but we don't need it. Along comes COVID in March. The whole planet is shut down. Now the CDC is making new safety recommendations that menus either have to be digital or they have to be paper. Now restaurants are beginning to open up worldwide. So what do we do? We had this platform that was 80% developed. We pulled it out of the garage. We made some modifications and tweak, tweaks and poof. So now we have an AI driven digital menu. And yes, there are plenty of companies that are racing to do the digital menu just because of COVID these, the, these last two, three months. But how are we different? We're, we're AI driven. So yes, all digital menus will tell you, you contactless order and, and contactless payment. So we're going beyond that. So what ours is AI driven. So it pre presents you AI driven, you know, menu recommendations based on your past order patterns and other people like you, similar to Amazon and Netflix. We're presenting the restaurant owner, you know, predictive and, uh, prescriptive analytics. And then lastly, we're providing the restaurant owner AI-driven customer engagement. So that's what we're doing now. So we're always thinking outside the box, not only thinking uh, of today or tomorrow, but, you know, down the road. Right. And with what happened with, uh, with COVID, yes, uh, you know, it was unfortunate the whole world had to suffer. But as they say, it's about adapting and overcoming what can you do? What can we do to, um, you know, remedy a situation to help others out, to help businesses that are, that are suffering and grow? And if you want to take a look at the last time the recession happened in 08 and 09, it was technology that brought us out of that, right? Remember 10, 10 years ago when this happened, 10, 12 years ago, remember Blockbuster? 
right? right? That's how you watch movies. You went to Blockbuster and rented a movie. Now it's Netflix. And no one paid attention to Netflix, you know, in 2008 and 2009. And look where they're at now, right? right Blockbuster, yeah. you don't rent movies. Everything is done online. And uh, they have a, an incredible uh, list of things that they suggest based on what yep. you've watched already exactly on, or even based on your profile seems mm -hmm. like and uh it's great that in netflix how they implemented because the content uh chief's content officer has worked at blockbuster for a long long time yeah either blockbuster or some kind of other video story. yeah he was such an expert in what people are watching that they had the really most fascinating, uh, most engaging movies and entertainment pieces. Yeah. So that, that was really great. And um, I want to go back to the AI-driven digital menu again, uh, because I want to uh, get the details of how exactly it's different from an electronic version of any menu, like... It's yeah, you know, so, digital uh, and people yeah. can maybe even order from it and yeah, so, um, get, pick it up. There, um, there are other digital apps out there. Uber Eats, right? Grubhub. Yeah, yeah. They're very expensive. Very, very, I know, 20, 30%. And on, on a good day, restaurant margins are very low. And with Uber Eats and Grubhub, they own the data, not the restaurant owner. So two things. Yeah, we give the restaurant owner ownership, you know, of the data. And really, it's as simple as scanning the QR code, or the link, and the menu appears on your phone, and you just order on your phone. Mm -hmm. So basically, the user, the consumer doesn't need to download an app, for example, no, we, we found out that, uh, that apps, uh, I mean, we can do that. But, you know, we've done the research that Apps don't get downloaded or used. So it's yeah. just you walk into a restaurant, scan the QR codes, scan the link, the menus on your phone. You mm -hmm. log in, you order. And the beauty of it is, you know, right now, restaurants, their, their revenues, their capacity is cut by 50% because of social yes. distancing. You go in there, you're, you're looking on your phone. And sometimes we've been there, right? We're, we're humans, we're all creatures of habit. But yet sometimes we spend 10 to 15 minutes staring at a menu. But if you're on your phone and you're looking at the menu and they're making you, uh, they're offering uh, AI driven menu recommendations, right? So now you order quickly. Instead of 10 minutes, it only may be 30 seconds or a minute. How does that help? Well, you order quickly, the, uh, you get your food and the restaurant's uh, turnover is quicker. And they need quicker yeah. turnover right now because their capacity has been cut by 50%. So that's what yeah. we're helping, not only helping with the CDC and, and safety guidelines, but we're also helping drive growth for restaurants that are, have been decimated because of COVID. Yes. And I think um, to, in order to simplify, some restaurants have already went into providing only limited number of options yeah, on the menu yep. every day so yeah. that they can... Uh, manage their staff, right? Manage their demand for, you know, and the, and the 
buying up of the supplies that are needed. Uh, so it, it's going towards the simplifications anyways. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, like, can you also get that QR code and put it on the website of a restaurant? Yeah, so, yeah, so the, the restaurant owner or marketing staff will be in charge of uh, promoting the QR code or the link. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that, you know, because it's AI driven, people would definitely, there are only certain dishes that people order from a certain But yeah, we spent a long time reading a menu, right? 10, yeah, 15 minutes, exactly. but we're all, always, almost always ordered the same thing we did in the past. So right, now if it's right. there, you click on the button, the back, mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, the restaurant manager gets notified and, and yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, is there any, anything else that is uh, quite uh, interesting or any new developments in that area that you think our audience should um, hear about? Um, I, not any new developments, but, um, you know, I would suggest to the audiences, sometimes there's a negative connotation with AI, but take a look at it, AI as your tool, as your friend to help your business grow. And don't be afraid of it. Yes. I agree with that. Um, and especially, I don't know if that's the rule in Atlanta, Georgia right now, but uh, here in Washington, D.C., there has been a regulation that now if you go and eat at the restaurant, you need to uh, leave your contact information in case anyone's been infected. Or, right. You know, they will do the tracing, etc. So uh, in that sense, the digital menu can definitely help. Yeah. With that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes, and I think, you know, there the were different concerns about AI, like you said, about, you know, over the privacy issues, um, over the consumers not wanting to share so much information about themselves. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're, they're be, they are... A purchasing behavior, let's say. Yeah. Uh, so, are there any policies uh, that can remedy that? And that yeah, can so use such a company. Good point. I mean, we we take uh, secure. Uh, everything's encrypted, so data security is our utmost uh, priority. But regards to data, yes, people talk about that. I don't want to give you my, you know, data, but you know, data is everywhere. It's the new oil. It's a commodity. If you're a business, if you have data use it to your advantage. To others who say, hey, I don't want to give you my data, then okay, you can do that, but don't use your smartphone. Don't use any banking apps. We're on Zoom. Zoom has our data. Zoom's, you know, knows how long your podcasts are, how long that we're being interviewed. If you feel that strongly about not giving up your data, get off Facebook. Don't pay, uh, don't use any banking apps to pay your bills. Go to the bank and pay by cash. And that's what I tell people. I mean, as, as, um, you know, as, if you're doing something nefarious, okay. But if you're not, this is part of our everyday lives. And I think definitely uh, small businesses and medium businesses are sort of last ones to catch up because I think yeah. the corporations have been using those tools for a while yeah. now. And it is the time to uh, gain that edge and... Uh, 
start marketing smart yeah. way, not only the hard way, right? Yeah, it's about gaining that edge. If you're not gaining that edge, um, it, it could cause you to lose your business. I mean, that's as simple as that. Um, I would um, also like uh, to continue on and um, uh, maybe throw out some questions about, you know, your own entrepreneurial mindset and how it yeah. developed, uh, you know, through personal questions like what is your favorite book um, or what is your favorite movie that's like connected so to the business or yeah, how um, you feel about your mindset? And yeah, favorite thinking. movie? Sh yeah, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, by Stephen King. It was, I think, come out in the mid '90s. You know that movie? Yeah, it's a very, came out of jail, very right? clever so it's, one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, you know, I like to uh, read a lot of um, nonfiction books. Um, you know, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, or uh, Navy Seal David Goggins can't hurt me. And what these individuals have—they're always pushing beyond their perceived limits. So I, that's what I, you know, like to do, you know, at, outside of, outside of work. So, you know, I'm 48. I got a blue belt in jujitsu at 45. I mean, that's tough when you're, when you're going to practice and you're, and you're competing against 25 year olds. Right. So I've, um, right. Uh, you know, I, I've dabbled in, I've participated in Ironman races and in ultra marathons. So learning to constantly push yourself not only physically, uh, uh, but mentally. So over the course of, uh, in January, February, I started to learn how to paint, right? So that served me well when we were locked down during COVID, but just being open to learning new things, um, you know, outside of your job. And when you do that, you continue to strive and drive, you know, it'll eventually serve you well. Yes, great. Thank you so much, um, hey. Jerry. I think it's been uh, such an interesting conversation about how to help businesses, yeah. how to grow, and also just about personal success yeah. and uh, being able to push through, learn more every day. Right. Uh, it's been real pressure. Thank you so much, Jerry. All right. Thanks for having me. All right.